Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, this is Kieran Tierney. Welcome to the latest edition of Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Newcastle United, Sunday, February 16th, 
But while we haven't won the games, I've got a very clear picture of why we haven't won more, and there are many facets to that. As I said, the next two or three weeks are going to dictate how close we're going to be to challenging for the European spots in the last four or five weeks of the season. We have to start winning. I think winning one game can take you to winning the next, and the confidence related to that is huge. In football, the mental aspect is more important than anything else, so when you are doubting yourself and your ability to win games, obviously the confidence is affected. But that's part of something we need to go over and improve. The moment that comes, I think it will naturally generate another dynamic. We face Newcastle today, and playing them always brings back memories of that 7-3 win that I played in here a few years ago. I remember Theo scoring a hat-trick that day, and generally it was a crazy game. I also injured my cruciate playing against Newcastle for Everton, and that was one of the hardest days of my professional career, but also one I learned the most from. You use all these experiences, and now I'm a manager, I know exactly what Callum Chambers is going through, for example. It took me almost a year to get back to playing after that injury. But I recovered my form, I started to perform well, and then I joined Arsenal. So I think it was a good thing, though at the time I could not see it. But getting back to Newcastle, I think what Steve Bruce has brought to the club has been really, really good. The performances and results compared to where they were last year are above any expectation. He has put together a team with great spirit, and is a manager with massive, massive experience. It's a big test for us today. Since our last game here, we have added a couple of players to the squad. Pablo Mari has joined from Flamengo, but he's not competed since the end of December. He had a little issue, but he has been training with us over the last week or so, in and out a little bit, and he's been looking good. I think this game will come a little bit too early for him though, but I expect him to start joining the squad in the next week or so. We've also signed Cedric Soares, on loan from Southampton, but he isn't ready to play for us yet. He's very disappointed, because when you join a new club, you want to make an impression straight away. He had an issue in his knee. It's not completely healed yet, and he hasn't been training with us, so I expect him to be back in the next couple of weeks, but I can't give you a date. As for the other injured players, Kieran Tierney is making very good progress, but we need to wait for the bone and the attachment to the tendon to heal before he can make any contact. He has been training. His work ethic is incredible. I have been really impressed with him, so hopefully we can get him back soon, but we need to be a little patient with him. It's good to be back here in front of our fans again today. Enjoy the game and get right behind the team. Thanks for your support. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The skipper is refreshed and raring to go after a long absence from the Emirates. Almost a month after our last home game, we are finally back with you at the Emirates. It feels like such a long time for the team and for your fans. But imagine for me... With my suspension, I didn't play against Sheffield United in our last home game. So the last time I played at the Emirates was on New Year's Day against Manchester United. I can't really believe it. I'm so hungry to come back. After the suspension and the winter break, I have missed playing so much 
and like all our boys, we are eager to feature again, to fight and to win. The draw at Burnley was frustrating because there were a lot of positives again in our performance, but we didn't get the points we deserved. I had two big chances that I should have scored, for example. We have to be more clinical and more consistent as well. We have some really great spells and then we lose a bit of intensity and control. We are working on it to improve it. You can all see the progress in our game since Mikel took over. We feel it too on the pitch, but we have been unlucky with some of our results. I really believe we deserve more against Crystal Palace, Sheffield United and Burnley. We need to start a good winning run now to finish the season really strongly and validate all our improvements. Anything is still possible in this league and we believe we can have a great next few weeks. And the training camp we just had in Dubai will help us. We had a really good time there. It was nice to have a break and have some warm weather too. We worked really hard at training, but we also had some great team bonding moments. We got to know the new players, Cedric and Pablo. They are really cool and already feel well integrated. The fact that they already speak English helps a lot. This week away together united us even more. We had a really good laugh in the desert with some of the activities we did. I shared a camel ride with Laka. He had done it before, but it was my first time, and I can tell you that when the camel stands up, it is quite scary. It was really cool, though. The break felt good. I think it is a good thing that we have a winter break now. We could spend quality time with our families as we had four full days off and then go again. It also means that now we are really motivated for the Premier League to start again. We were at home to Newcastle this afternoon. As I always say in my programme notes, the Emirates must be a fortress for us. The atmosphere is great and we have to make it really difficult for any team to come here. Newcastle are a solid side. I expect them to play quite deep, so we will need to find a way of unlocking their back five. But also be careful not to give them too much space on the counter, especially if Alain Saint-Maximin is playing. He is a threat. I know him very well and he was at St Etienne Academy when I was at the club. He used to come and train with us in the first team. He has great skills and pace too. But we are home and we have the belief that we will win with 1,000% commitment and motivation. On Thursday I spent quite a lot of time with Ian Wright. It is always a pleasure to see him and to chat to him. He is an icon and an inspiration for me and everyone at the club and around the club. I admire him as a man and as an Arsenal legend. He was so, so good on the pitch, but was also really chilled. He has the same mentality as Laka and I have, and that's why we get on so well. I hope you have missed us as much as we have missed you. Enjoy the game today, and come on Arsenal. The voice of Arsenal. Today's cover... George Easton poses with youngster Graham Quick prior to George's debut for Arsenal against Bolton Wanderers on December the 10th, 1960. Arsenal won the game 5-1 with George getting two goals. After some excellent sleuthing from Arsenal historian Andy Kelly, we can reveal an interesting story behind the picture. 11-year-old Graham was from East London, but a huge fan of Eastham, and hence had a Newcastle kit, the team from which Arsenal had bought Eastham the previous month. It would appear that the fact Graham's father was Daily Express photographer Norman Quick helped manufacture this photo opportunity, which, as you can see, was lapped up by the legion of photographers. 
George's move to Arsenal was, after all, very controversial due to his refusal to play for Newcastle after the end of the previous season, citing the injustice of the retain-and-transfer system. He took Newcastle to court and won, reforming the transfer system in this country fundamentally. George, now 83, is still alive and living in South Africa. Sadly, Graham died in 2008. Well done, Steve. Arsenal's head groundsman at London Coney and all-round pitch preparation legend Steve Braddock has been awarded Turf's top influencer by the profession's most respected media outlet, Turf Business. Steve has had a huge influence on the industry, which has not only seen him develop Highbury, Emirates and our training centre pitches to an exceptional standard, but also disseminate his vast knowledge across his profession. Turf Business said of Steve's award, It seems fitting the 2019 Top Turf Influencer Award should go to Steve Braddock, perhaps the industry's most respected grounds professional of his generation. It's certain there won't be a single person working in or associated with this great industry who won't be thrilled for our winner. Steve Braddock, we salute you and all you stand for. Tellingly, Positions 3 and 4 in the Influencer Award were filled by Darren Baldwin of Tottenham and Paul Burgess of Real Madrid, both of whom learnt their trade under Steve at Arsenal. Congratulations, Steve. Your award is a deserved recognition for remarkable hard work and pursuit of excellence at Arsenal Football Club. We couldn't be prouder of you. Maria is in the picture. Gabriel Martinelli's wonder goal at Chelsea was unforgettable for many reasons, not least the wonderful footage of superfan Maria Petri snapping Gabby as he celebrated with her trusty disposable camera. So we contacted Maria to see if she could send us the result of her handiwork and, after finishing off the film at Bournemouth, she sent it in to us. Thanks, Maria. On a more serious note... Maria also asked Arsenal supporters on their away travels to please, please be considerate of other supporters, particularly those who might be in their more senior years. Numerous over-exuberant fans landed on top of Maria and her friends during the celebration of both Gunners' goals. Please be respectful of your fellow fans. March Fixtures we can confirm that the following fixture has rescheduled for live television coverage. Southampton versus Arsenal, Sunday, March the 22nd, 2020. Originally, Saturday, March the 21st. Kick-off, 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. This fixture will be postponed should we make it to the FA Cup quarter-final. The standard TV selections have now been made up to March the 22nd. Ordinarily, fixtures up to this date will not now change. However, as ever, all fixtures remain subject to change and circumstances may yet arise which result in further fixture changes. Gabby strikes twice. Congratulations to Gabriel Martinelli, who has won both our Player of the Month and Goal of the Month awards for January. The Brazilian forward was in unstoppable form last month, firstly scoring in our 1-1 draw with Sheffield United at Emirates Stadium before running 67 yards at Stamford Bridge to score a sensational solo goal in our 2-2 draw with Chelsea. 
Unsurprisingly, that goal came out on top in our monthly poll, with 60% of the votes cast. As for our Player of the Month poll, Martinelli claimed 49% of the votes cast, with Granit Xhaka in second place with 31%, and Saka in third place. Match Ball Sponsor Happy 7th birthday to Joey Breakwell and welcome to Andrew Iclianu for his first Arsenal game. Conti Cup Final, here we come. Ahead of our third FA Women's Continental League Cup Final in a row, we need your help to make Nottingham red. We've won this trophy more times than any other team, most recently in 2018, and on February the 29th, We'll be aiming to win it for the sixth time since 2011. This fixture is unsegregated. However, we encourage supporters to purchase in the Arsenal End, which is Block T of the Brian Clough Stand. We will also be providing coach travel to the city ground, with pickups taking place at Emirates Stadium, Queensland Road, at 12.15pm, and South Mem's services at 1pm. Visit arsenal.com for further details and to purchase your tickets. Another day, another nomination. Congratulations to Viviane Maidima, who's on the shortlist of five for the BBC Women's Footballer of the Year 2020. The Netherlands international scored 31 goals across all competitions at club level throughout 2018-19, to before helping her country reach the final of the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup. She's since become Netherlands' record goalscorer with 69 to her name and has already added a further 27 club goals to her record across all competitions in 2019-20. to Keep it up, Viv. Safer Internet Day 2020 This week, the Academy marked Safer Internet Day 2020, which took place globally on Tuesday, February 11th. Safer Internet Day promotes the safe and positive use of digital technology to young people and this year aimed to inspire a conversation surrounding online identity, that is, free to be me. The under-10s, under-11s, under-15s and under-16s had the pleasure of a presentation from Tom Penfield, a senior education officer at Childnet, one of the organisations that forms the UK's Safer Internet Centre. Tom spoke about the benefits and risks of life online and issues that can impact self-esteem and identity, such as what young people choose to share online and what they choose not to. The workshops also featured current under-23 central defender Dan Ballard and the rapper, singer, songwriter Rammers, an Arsenal fan and former steward at Emirates, who both gave their unique perspectives and experiences on life online. Academy parents also a workshop delivered by Tom, who gave sound advice on issues such as screen time, online safety, and how to have helpful conversations with a child who often knows more than the parent. Still to come, our Academy Player Leadership Group will have the opportunity to become digital leaders, which will empower them to support and educate their peers on all aspects on online life. For further info and resources, visit www.saferinternet.org.uk slash. Important message regarding Arsenal match tickets. 
Supporters are reminded not to purchase tickets on the secondary market or through any unknown source. Several companies and individuals do advertise on the internet, claiming to provide official Arsenal tickets. However, Arsenal Football Club tickets are only officially available through the channels outlined on arsenal.com. We would like to stress to all supporters that the unauthorised sale or disposal of football tickets is a criminal offence under Section 166 of the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act 1994 as amended by the Violent Crime Reduction Act 2006. We also remind all our supporters that putting match tickets onto these platforms or any other ticket resale outlet is a breach of their membership and anyone found to be selling their tickets on will have their membership removed. Over the past two seasons, we have cancelled around 6,500 memberships on this basis. All Arsenal supporters are reminded that the ticket exchange and ticket transfer services are in place for fans registered with the club's membership scheme to provide a secure and convenient service for supporters wishing to resell their season tickets to fellow members. 144,000 tickets were distributed through this system last season. We also have a dedicated matchday team who operate spot checks on supporters entering Emirates Stadium and make seat checks based on the data we have relating to tickets sold. We ask for supporters' continued support in tackling touting by only passing on tickets via the Arsenal Ticket Exchange and buying directly from the club. Any unauthorised websites or sellers can be reported to toutingenquiries at arsenal.co.uk. We have taken advice from the Met Police, who suggest that anyone living in the UK who has fallen victim to purchasing counterfeit tickets should report this via the non-emergency telephone line 101 or to a local police station. The website www.actionfraud.police.uk can also be used to report incidents. This can be used by people living outside the UK. Portsmouth on a Monday. Arsenal's FA Cup fifth round fixture has now been confirmed. Portsmouth versus Arsenal, FA Cup fifth round, Fratton Park, Monday, March the 2nd, kick-off 7.45pm. Tickets have already sold out for this fixture, which will be shown live on BT Sport. This tie will be decided on the night. If the scores are level after 90 minutes and extra time, we'll go to a penalty shootout. There are no replays in the competition from this stage onwards. Furthermore, our Premier League match away to Manchester City, originally scheduled for March the 1st, has been postponed due to City's involvement in the Carabao Cup final. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the reward-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Harry Flitterman. Arsenal Football Club would like to extend sincere sympathies to the family and friends of Harry Flitterman, who died last month aged 16 after an eight-year battle against leukaemia. Aguna, who went home and away, listing Dortmund as his favourite away trip, Harry supported the team with all his heart throughout his life, still managing to get to games this season despite his illness. Harry will never be forgotten by those who knew him. His family are at the match this afternoon in memory of their wonderful son and brother. Ref Watch. Our referee this afternoon is Lee Mason of Bolton, Greater Manchester. Mason started officiating in the top flight of English football in 2006 and has maintained his position as a select group referee ever since, taking charge of 273 Premier League fixtures. During that time, he's shown 40 red cards and 844 yellows. The Lancashire FA official took charge of his first Arsenal fixture in the League Cup back in 2005, when we ran out 3-0 winners over Reading in the round of 16. Jose Antonio Reyes, Robin Van Persie and Arturo Lupoli were the names on the score sheet. He's since officiated a further 27 Arsenal fixtures across all competitions, with us winning 17, drawing 7 and losing 3. We've only received one red card from Mason to date when Mattia Flamini was dismissed in a 2-2 draw with Southampton in January 2014. Mason is joined at Emirates Stadium by assistants Ian Hussin and Harry Leonard with Andy Medley as the fourth official. Kevin Friend as the designated VAR, while Stephen Child has the assistant VAR role. Reported. Discriminatory chanting and antisocial behaviour is offensive to all fans and not tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive behaviour, you can report it to a steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our fans and wider community. Thank you for your support. Adidas Baggett. In every domestic programme this season, the club's kit partner Adidas are giving away small duffel bags. 
just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. Which Arsenal striker scored against Newcastle for five successive seasons, starting in 1993-94? to Email your answer, including your full name and address, to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at AFC Programme. All entries to us by Friday, February the 21st, please. One entry per person. Player feature, Socrates. During Socrates' long and decorated career, he has worked with some of the game's biggest managers, from Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel at Borussia Dortmund to Max Allegri at AC Milan, and Otto Rehagel and Claudia Ranieri with the Greece national team. Already this season, the wily defender has worked under three more head coaches. So it's worth sitting up and taking notice when he says he believes Mikel Arteta could become one of the world's very best. The early signs, he says, are very encouraging, and he's enthused about the direction the club is heading in under the Spanish head coach. He told the Matchday programme recently that he regrets change was necessary, but he said the team are beginning to show that we are Arsenal again and is looking forward to a strong second half of the campaign. We caught up with Socrates before the winter break and began by asking him to assess the first half of the season. It's been a really eventful campaign so far. How has it been for you? Yes, it's been a difficult season with a lot of changes, And when you have a lot of changes all at once, it's difficult for the team. I felt sad that we had to change our manager and that the team had not been at our best level in the past months. But now we have made a new start with Mikel and everything is getting better and better, I think. We still have a big space to improve, but yes, things are getting better and I say that without criticising anyone or any previous manager. I was happy before this, but it's just that I have seen the team has reset and we are ready to start again. We started the season well with two good wins, but after that our form dropped. But now we are ready to show that we are Arsenal, you know. Have you experienced this before as a player, when the manager has changed during the season? Yes, I have. It happened in my career when I was at Borussia Dortmund, and also once when I was at AEK Athens. It's not easy. It can be very difficult for the team. Everything changes around you. When things aren't going well, the first person who pays for that is the manager. That makes it the hardest job you can have in football. As a defender, how have things changed under Mikel Arteta and his coaching team? No, it's not a lot different. I would just say that we have more individual instructions now. Mikel likes that every player knows what he has to do in every scenario in the game. If one thing happens to the formation, for example, in the game, he tells every individual player what that means for him. Every player now has more solutions in their head and more ideas about making the right decisions. Does it feel strange working with a coach who's in the same generation as you as a player? Well, I had played against him, of course. He knows the Premier League. He played a lot here. So that is a bit of an advantage for him. But when he arrived, the first thing he asked from us is to all give 100% and to follow his word and what he likes to do on the pitch. I think he's a very good manager and he has a lot of time in front of him to improve even more. 
he will gain more experience and for me I think he can be one of the best managers in the world in future. I cannot say now because this is his first year with the team but what I have seen from him already makes me very happy and very enthusiastic about him and of course I say that having worked under some of the best managers in the world before. We've been unlucky in defence this season with so many injuries. Do you think having to make so many changes at the back has been the main problem for us? Yes, it's a problem. And also what was a problem was that a lot of things changed in the summer. Lauren Koscielny left the team and that was very important. Nacho Monreal left as well with his experience. We also had the injuries to Hector, to Rob and at the start of the season with Sead as well. Then David Luiz came to the team on the last day of the transfer window. So there were many changes. It's not an excuse we want to use, because we had to do better. But in football, sometimes everything has to be in the right position, in the right moment, and small changes can make big differences. Now we are all here, and the last month or two has worked much better defensively, and I hope it's getting better. We saw you at right back against Leeds. Did you enjoy that? Of course, it's not my natural position, but if you have the experience on the pitch to think and know what you have to do, it can be easier. So it wasn't a huge difference for me. Absences also provide opportunities. What have you made of Bukayo Saka slotting in at left-back? He's a very good player, a young player who learns a lot from the older players as well, and he's getting good experience. He is a very good guy, with still a lot of space to improve. He is just 18. I don't know what his position will be. I think he's doing really well in his current position. It's good that he has a lot to work on to improve, and all the players are here to help him. You had the Emirates rocking when you scored against Manchester United here last month. How important is that home atmosphere until the end of the season? Yes, but we all know that we have to generate that atmosphere ourselves as players. I think in the past couple of games we did do that. We have to carry on in this direction. It's up to us to show to the fans that we are here to do our very best for the Arsenal. We have a very good team. All the players we have are very good. It's now down to us to improve under this manager and show that we can finish the season in the best way. Finally, when Arteta took over, he said he wanted to see more fight in the team. Do you see yourself as someone who can lead in that regard? Of course, in football today the pace and intensity is the biggest thing. Not anymore is it just about the quality. Of course you need that too, but if you have quality and you don't run or you don't fight, you cannot win. We have seen that already when you have smaller teams. They play against us and they know that maybe they don't have the quality that we have, but they know they can run more and fight more. When they do that, it makes the football difficult. So it's up to us to match that, and we are in a good way of improving those areas now. I'm very happy that I am seeing it again, and all our players fighting together to win the ball, to keep the ball again, and I am seeing that energy coming through the team. Arsenal Academy. Young gun Zach Swanson talking to Aidan Small. The basics. Born Cambridge, September 28, 2000. 
joined Arsenal 2006. Height and weight, 73 kilograms, 5 foot 11 inches. Position, right back. School, Bishop Stalford High School. I've been a gooner for as long as I can remember. Everyone in the family supports Arsenal. We're all die-hard fans. Well, except for my nan and granddad. They support Tottenham, sadly. I started supporting Arsenal through my brother. He started supporting them at three years old, and from there on, that was me sorted, because I looked up to him, as younger brothers do. My brother still uses my season ticket, so he's there in the Emirates for every home game, and he'll be there today. If I didn't play for the club, then I'd be joining him too. Where I've been at the club so long now, I never had the chance to do that for a full season, even as a youngster, but I still go to games whenever I get the chance. When I watch games with my brother, I'm obviously surrounded by people who aren't involved with the club as much as we are, so I love seeing their perspective of the game and what it means to them. Whereas when I'm watching it in the paddock, I'll typically try and analyse the game a little more and see what I can learn from it. I think the best game I've seen live was the 4-2 win against Tottenham last season. The atmosphere in the stadium that day was ridiculous. I was with my brother for that game too, so I was in with the crowd. Another game that really stands out for me is the FA Cup final against Chelsea. When I started supporting Arsenal, I idolised Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp, because how can't you? But as I got older, I started looking up to Jack Wilshere and Cesc Fabregas. Having come through the ranks at Hale End, Wilshere was always the example for us. He'd visit Hale End a fair amount and give advice to others whenever possible. I was picked up by Arsenal at under six level, but I still remember it clearly. It's one of my earliest memories. I was playing for my local team at the time and I'd been spotted by Tottenham, but as soon as Arsenal showed interest, I was sold. I've been there ever since. I remember coming out from school and my mum telling me that I was going to Arsenal the next day instead. Matt Smith and James Olienka also joined Arsenal the same year that I did, so we've been together for a while now. We stayed together in digs when we first moved to London, Colney too. When I took a team photo of us at under six level all the way up to now, it's crazy. We've grown up playing with each other every day, every game and every season, so we've been with each other through every step of the journey. It's class to see James doing so well out on loan with Northampton. Looking back, I think my favourite thing about being at Hale End was learning from all the coaches and seeing all the older lads kick on. When you're younger and you're going through the same steps they went through, you have to try and learn from every little thing they do. I've learnt so many things from watching players in the academy and first team. I've come a long way from back then, but I'm still at the very start of my football journey. My aims now are to push as close as I can to the first team and keep training over there and impressing whenever I get the opportunity. I need to keep getting minutes for the under-23s and if I can maintain that, I'll hopefully impress the manager. It's been a big step up from the under-18s, but I feel like I've settled in well and I'm on the right path. Zach Swanson, The Lowdown. Earliest memory of football. Playing in the park with my brother. First footballer I looked up to. Thierry Henry. Best friend in football. Matt Smith. Team I supported growing up. Arsenal. Biggest influences. Mum and brother. Best goal of all time. Zidane versus Leverkusen in the UCL final. Best goal I've ever scored. FA Youth Cup versus Northampton. 
Best player I've faced. Callum Hudson Odoi. Who I combine best with. Troy Goal. Best moment of my career so far. Winning the under-18s Premier League and signing my pro deal. Sing one song to save my life. Mario, let me love you. Another sport I'm good at. Golf. About me. Favourite footballer of all time. Lionel Messi. If I could be any footballer, I'd be Ronaldinho. Favourite follow on Instagram. Conor McGregor. Favourite musician. Roddy Rich. Best football attribute. Technique. One thing I need on an away day. Phone. One thing I want to do. Play at the highest level possible and win trophies. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be a property developer. Player I look up to the most. Hector Bellerin. Player who's shaped my game. Philip Lahm. Best thing about being at Arsenal. History of club, facilities and coaches. Around the academy. Who will make it? Tyrese Joan-Jules. Most skills in their locker. Follerin Balugin. Best passing range. Matt Smith. Most two-footed. Sam Greenwood. Would-be best manager. Mark McGuinness. Most committed. Harry Clark. Strongest. Trey Coyle. Captain material. Mark. Rate yourself. Pace. Six out of ten. Dribbling, 7 out of 10. Passing, 9 out of 10. Shooting, 7 out of 10. Defending, 9 out of 10. Physical, 5 out of 10. Academy Reports. Words by Sam Cox. Premier League International Cup, Friday, January the 17th, Meadow Park. Arsenal under-23s, 3. Leicester City under-23s, nil. The scorers for Arsenal were Burton in the 25th minute with a penalty, Balogun in the 59th minute and Olienka in the 76th. Playing for Arsenal were Hein Swanson, substituted by Ayogoki, Clark Medley, Amoli, Smith, McInef, substituted by Olowu, Burton, Tommy, substituted by Cottrell, Balligan, Oleinka, and subs not used were Hilson and Greenwood. We progress into the knockout stages. Hine made some important saves. Balligan scored a screamer. We progressed to the knockout stages of the Premier League International Cup as goals from Robbie Burton, Follerin Balligan and James Olienka secured a 3-0 win against Leicester City at Meadow Park. Carl Heim was called into action when Zach Medley uncharacteristically gifted possession to Ali Ragba, who drove into the box and shifted the ball to Callum Wright, whose tame effort was saved by our keeper. We were awarded a penalty on 25 minutes when Nathan Tormey was brought down by Tobias Johansson after he had reacted quickly to receive Balogun's rebounder's strike and Burton made no mistake from the spot. Moments later, Balogun got the better of Johansson when he collected the ball on the edge of the box and took a touch before hitting a powerful effort past the Fox's keeper from long range. 
Olajenka wrapped up the points when he received the ball on the edge of the box, drove into the area and slotted into corner. Premier League 2, Saturday, February the 1st. Liverpool under-23s 3, Arsenal under-23s nil. Playing for Arsenal were Hine, Swanson, Lopez, Clark, Amole, Medley, Coyle, substituted by Olibiosu in the 80th minute, Smith, Balogun, McInef, Cottrell. Subs not used were Hilson, Greenwood, Kirk and Dennis. The under-23's unbeaten run came to an end. Carl Hine made some important saves. Joel Lopez made his first start at this level. The first chance of the match fell to the hosts midway through the first half, when Jack Beam drove down the wing and forced Carl Hine into a save, before Dal Varasanovic fired the rebound wide. Liverpool's pressure paid off shortly afterwards, when a ball lofted into box reached an unmarked Morgan Boys at the back post, who headed home to break the deadlock. On the stroke of half-time, the Reds doubled their advantage, when Varasanovic lost his marker inside the box and swept James Norris's pinpoint cross into the bottom corner. Liverpool made it three when Lewis Longstaff collected the ball on the edge of the box, skipped past a challenge and curled an unstoppable shot into the net. In the closing stages of the match, on the counter-attack, Fullerin Balogun progressed with the ball and struck the post with a powerful effort before the rebound fell to Sam Greenwood, but he saw his goal-bound strike blocked. Under-18s Premier League South, Saturday, January the 11th. Arsenal under-18s, 1. Aston Villa under-18s, 2. Scorer for Arsenal was Dennis in the 40th minute, and for Aston Villa, Chuck Wemeka in the 17th minute, and Philogene Bidachi in the 64th. Playing for Arsenal were Gracic, Oyegoki, Lopez, Patino, Kirk, Ogumwo, Alibiosu, substituted by Edwards in the 75th minute, Kirjan, Matthews, substituted by Sraha in the 90th plus 7, Greenwood, Dennis, substituted by Butler Oideji in the 68th minute. Our unbeaten run came to an end. Dennis scored for the fourth consecutive game. Gracic produced some great saves. Matthew Dennis scored for the fourth consecutive match, but couldn't prevent our unbeaten run coming to an end as we narrowly lost to Aston Villa. Our first opportunity came when Dennis won back possession and played the ball to Alfie Matthews, who opened his body but curled a shot into the hands of Viliami Sinisalo. Hubert Gracic produced a stunning double save to keep it goalless when he dived low to his left to prevent Aaron Ramsey's powerful effort before reacting well to save with his feet immediately after. Villa's pressure paid off when a routine corner was headed home at the near post by Carney Chukwameka, who had wriggled free of his marker. On the stroke of half-time, we drew level after Catalan Kirjan and Ryan Alibiosu combined neatly to create space and feed the ball into Dennis, who took a touch and fired low into the bottom corner. Moments later, Kirjan collected the ball on the edge of the box and cut inside before his curling effort was capped out by an acrobatic save by Sinisalo. Villa retook the lead when DJ Campton Sturridge regained possession and teed up Philogen Bidachi inside the box and the forward skipped past a challenge and powered an effort into the roof of the net. 
Under-18s, Premier League South, Saturday, January the 18th, Staplewood Training Ground. Southampton, under-18s, nil. Arsenal, under-18s, two. Scorers for Arsenal were Matthews in the 26th minute and Plange in the 67th. Playing for Arsenal were Gracic, Oyegoki, Lopez, Cottrell, Kirk, Ogumwo, Dennis, substituted by Straha, Kirjan, substituted by Olibiosu, Matthews, substituted by Plange, Greenwood, Butler, Odeji. Subs not used were Kovacic and Lang. We recorded our third league win. Matthews claimed his fourth of the season. Plange came off the bench to score. We got back to winning ways in the under-18 Premier League South with a commanding victory over Southampton at Staplewood. Our youngsters looked dangerous with every attack and could have taken an early lead when Jack Turner gifted possession to Sam Greenwood. Our young forward picked out Ben Cottrell in the box, but his effort was parried away by Oliver Wright. Cottrell was causing the house all sorts of problems and nearly assisted Catalin Kirjan with a clever flick on the edge of the box, but the Romanian shot over from ten yards. We were well on top, but then Southampton had a chance to take the lead on the break. Seamus Keogh sprinted forward to pull back to Michael Saunders, who lashed his shot wide inside the box but the Saints continued to make errors when playing out from the back, and after Matthew Dennis had dispossessed Zuriolatse Tawu, Alfie Matthews took a touch before hitting an unstoppable strike into the corner. It was the least we deserved after a dominant first half, and we picked up where we left off after the break too. Greenwood's corner was flicked on by Mazid Ogumgo, and Luke Plange reacted quickly to double our lead. Under-18s, Premier League South, Saturday, February the 1st. Arsenal Under-18s, 1. West Ham United Under-18s, 5. The scorer for Arsenal was Matthews in the 43rd minute with a penalty. And for West Ham, Nabili in the 28th minute, Swire in the 49th, Odubeko in the 55th and 65th, and Mon Lewis in the 90th, an own goal. Playing for Arsenal were Gracic, Oyugoki, Ogungbo, Patino, Mon Lewis, Straha, substituted by Lang in the 65th minute, Butler, Oyudeji, substituted by Krijan in the 59th minute, Awe, Plange, Matthews, Edwards, subs not used, Aziz, Kovacecic. Matthews was on the score sheet. Gracic saved a penalty. Schoolboy, Kyan Edwards, looked sharp. The scoring was opened by the Hammers after 28 minutes when Jaden Favrier found Sebastian Nebula, who finished smartly. However, we drew level just before half-time when Kayan Edwards was fouled for a penalty. Alfie Matthews assumed responsibility for the spot kick and Julie Powered passed the goalkeeper. A series of defensive errors then led to a West Ham penalty with Mon Lewis being adjudged to have handled the ball in the area. Hubert Gracic made the save to deny Adamipo Udebeko, but the Hammers went in front shortly after when Kamari Simon Swire flicked in from a corner. Udebeko then made amends for his missed penalty, capitalising on a combination of defensive errors before finishing past Gracic. It was the same man on the score sheet again soon after, with Udebeko charging from deep before firing into the net. 
West Ham did eventually find a fifth goal, although there was a slice of luck involved as the ball deflected in off the unfortunate Mon Lewis. FA Youth Cup, Thursday, February the 6th. Brighton under-18s, 3. Arsenal under-18s, 4. The scorers for Brighton were Luca Jay in the 36th minute with a penalty and Tolle in the 49th and 80th minutes. For Arsenal, Greenwood in the 22nd and 38th with a penalty, Aziz in the 65th and Reese in the 67th with a no goal. We progressed to the quarter-final of the Youth Cup. Sam Greenwood banged a brace. We will be away to either Blackburn or Preston in the next round. Our first chance of the evening fell to Ryan Alabioso inside ten minutes when he collected the ball in the box from a fine Miguel Aziz pass but fired a tame effort into the arms of Rocco Rees. Our pressure paid off midway through the first half when Alabiosu opened up his body and curled an effort towards goal. Reese then parried his effort into the path of Greenwood, who slammed home. The Seagulls were awarded a penalty when Alex Kirk brought down Laurent Tollage inside the area, and Steph Vukajay squeezed his spot kick in to equalise. We immediately went on the offensive and won a penalty ourselves when Greenwood went down under a challenge inside the box. He picked himself back up, and slotted expertly into the bottom corner. In the second half, the visitors hit us on the counter, as Ted Jenks teed up Tolage, who took a touch and fired the ball past Gratchit to level the scores once again. We reacted well, and Aziz capped a fine performance in midfield when the ball was lofted into the box, and our midfielder lost his marker and volleyed home from close range. We then doubled our lead soon after when Ben Cottrell chipped the ball into the box. It then took a ricochet before hitting Grease and bounced into the back of the net. The Seagulls pulled a goal back with ten minutes remaining when they hit us on the counter-attack and much like their second goal of the evening, the ball broke to Tolage who fired into the net. Report Chelsea Premier League Match Day 24 8:15 p.m. Tuesday, January the 21st, Stamford Bridge, Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2. Chelsea scorers: Jorginho 28 penalty, Azpilicueta 84. Arsenal scorers: Martinelli 63, Bellerin 87. Away fans: 3,000. Chelsea, 1, Kepper, 2, Rudiger, 4, Christensen, yellow card, 28, Azpilicueta, 33, Emerson, yellow card, 6, Jorginho, 7, Kante, substitute, 69th minute, 17, Kovacic, substitute, 66th minute, 9, Abraham, 10, William, substitute, 79th minute, 20, Hudson Odoi. Substitutes Caballero, Alonso, Zuma, Barkley, 66th minute, Mount, 69th minute, Pedro Bachuai, 79th minute, Arsenal, 1, Leno, 2, Bellerin, 20, Mustafi, 23, David Luiz, red card, 77, Saka, 11, Torreira, 
34. Zaka. 10. Ozil. Substitute. 55th minute. 10th. Pepe. Substitute. 81st minute. 9. Lacazette. 35. Martinelli. Substitute. 89th minute. Substitutes. Martinez. Holding. 81. Ceballos. Maitland-Niles. Willock. 89. Guendouzi. 55. Yellow card. Nicotia. First half. Chelsea created the best early chances, with Antonio Rudiger heading wide when well-placed before Tammy Abraham sent his header straight into Baird Leno's grateful arms. They did eventually break the deadlock from the penalty spot. Jorginho converted from 12 yards after Abraham was fouled inside the area by David Luiz. The Brazilian was also dismissed for the foul on his return to Stamford Bridge, having been put in trouble initially by Shokran Mustafi's loose back pass. Second half. Down to ten men, we increased the work rate in the second half and got our reward just after the hour mark. Mustafi headed a corner away to Gabriel Martinelli just outside our own box, and the Brazilian raced away downfield. He left Nogolo Kante in his wake on the halfway line, then kept his composure to slot home past Kepa when one-on-one. Cesar Azpilicueta looked to have earned the host all three points late on. But captain for the night, Hector Bellerin, had the final word, tucking home left-footed from just outside the area to secure an excellent point on the road. Match stats. Total shots. Chelsea 19, Arsenal 2. Shots on target. Chelsea 8, Arsenal 2. Corners. Chelsea 17, Arsenal 5. Offsides. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 1. Fouls. Chelsea 11, Arsenal 6. Possession. Chelsea 59%, Arsenal 41%. Box to on the box, Ian Wright ups his celebrity. Culture Club. Over the decades, Arsenal have had a big influence on popular culture. Historian John Sperling looks at the Gunners' unique impact off the pitch. When Ian Wright joined Arsenal from Crystal Palace in the autumn of 1991, from Crystal Palace for a record 2.5 million, English football was on the cusp of great change. Within a year, Sky TV would revolutionise football with the advent of the Premier League. One of the major technological advances was the proliferation of cameras at top-flight matches, capturing every instant, every goal and every celebration. Such a stage was perfect for Art Showman that was Ian Wright, who was an instant hit with fans at Highbury. Wright scored and celebrated. His goals with such gusto that, along with Manchester United's Eric Cantona, he was the most charismatic and marketable footballer of the era. The Premier League soon became the most watched top flight on the planet, eclipsing Serie A, and as the TV deal steadily increased in value throughout the 90s, so did players' wages, and their commercial opportunities increased exponentially. Wright grabbed every opening that came his way, both on and off the pitch. Within a year of joining Arsenal, he'd overtaken 100-metre Olympic champion Linford Christie as the most marketable black sportsman in the country. In October 1992, Nike snapped him up for their first TV commercial to the backdrop of Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. 
After Wright yelled, kick it, at the start of the advert, there was footage of him scoring goals against Southampton on the final day of the 1991-92 campaign, pointing to his boot. The mocking Gary Who strapline, the popular Gary Lineker had recently departed Tottenham and headed for Grampus 8 in Japan, portrayed Wright as an edgy anti-hero. Wright wasn't always comfortable with that persona, explaining, Sometimes I felt like I was in a goldfish bowl, but I accepted that with my profile, that was part and parcel of playing in London for Arsenal. After two years of being Arsenal's top scorer, he then collaborated with the Pet Shops boys Chris Lowe, an Arsenal fan, and cut a record, Do the Right Thing. Although the single failed to make great headway in the charts, reaching number 43, the lyrics, which included the lines, People give nothing, it must be earned, and you have to be second to none, said much about Wright's combative nature and the fact he'd arrived at Arsenal relatively late in his career, aged 28, with much to prove. I'm no saint, I'm no sinner, he insisted, as he danced, looking slightly bemused at times, with disco lights flashing in the background, and his gold tooth glinting. Another knock-on effect of the popularity of the Premier League was the proliferation of football supplements in newspapers, and Wright was chosen to be the face of the Sun's goals pull-out. The accompanying TV advert was shown prior to matches on the jumbotrons, with Wright's range of celebrations as a final montage. Towards the end of his Arsenal career, having already smashed the club's goal-scoring record a few months earlier, Mercury chose Wright to be the face of their one-to-one adverts. Wright announced that he would choose Martin Luther King. I'd asked him how he maintained his principle of peaceful protest in the face of such provocation, Wright explained. Rather less cerebrally, the England striker was also happy to flap around a TV studio for Chicken Tonight for several years, clad in a purple velvet jacket and cravat, uttering such gems as sizzle and stir one could say it's game of two halves. Reflecting on the adverts a decade later, Wright explained, the ads paid a few bills. By January 1998, Wright received arguably his biggest break yet and was given his own ITV chat show, Friday Night's All Right. Initially a one-off programme, Wright did a duet with Lionel Richie and guest Dion Dublin played the saxophone. The show ran for two seasons. And with supermodel Caprice acting as Wright's compare, Wright interviewed a raft of stars including Elton John and Mariah Carey. It was great fun, Wright reflected. I met people I never thought I'd ever rub shoulders with and it got me thinking that after I retired from playing I had the confidence to work in punditry. After spells with West Ham, Burnley and Celtic, Wright settled into a career in football punditry with several broadcasters including BBC, ITV and BT Sport. The adverts have also continued with Nescafe and Ladbrokes and Wright has also fronted men and motor show White Across America in which Wright travelled coast-to-coast on a Harley-Davidson. For almost 20 years, Ian Wright has been part of the furniture on British TV screens. But back in the 90s, whilst he shattered goal-scoring records for the Gunners, Wright was a pioneer and a trailblazer as top Premier League footballers began to recognise their commercial potential. Five years in the community. The hashtag Arsenal Gap. Coach, learn and travel with Arsenal. Are you looking to develop your coaching, teaching and leadership skills? 
Or would you like to take a break and build your CV whilst travelling the world representing Arsenal? If so, the Arsenal Gap programme may be perfect for you. We're recruiting gappers for our August intake of the hashtag Arsenal Gap. Since the programme started in 2006, hundreds of young people have coached all over the world, from Australia and Mozambique to Zambia and India, coaching and teaching children wearing the Arsenal badge. Laura Cousins, Arsenal Gap programme 2019, said, My favourite part has got to be my placement in India. The children we coached were so nice and polite, which made it a pleasure to coach. Also, having the chance to be in another country and see the cultural difference is something that has been an amazing thing to experience. It has also helped me to decide more clearly what I want to do in the future. Starting in August, you will be based at the club learning how to coach and gaining your FA Level 1 coaching badge. Once the schools get started in September, you'll put your learning into practice as you coach young people in local schools while continuing your coach education sessions. Niall Jones, Arsenal Gap Programme 2019, said, I was very intrigued as to what the Arsenal Gap Programme was going to offer me. I didn't know it would impact my growth as a person this much. Neither did I think it would make me fall back in love with football again. Now I am very proud of the fact I took the risk of dedicating a whole year to just volunteering because it was an unforgettable experience. As January comes around, you'll be packing your bags for Stage 2, where you'll be on placement for three months at one of our community partner projects around the world. Your placement could be anywhere from the Philippines to Bolivia, working with local NGO community partners where you'll spend your day delivering high-quality football sessions and teaching English, often with a focus on life skills or using the sport to tackle local issues that the young people will face in their day-to-day life. Tom Dempsey, Arsenal Gap Year 2016, said, I feel that I learned more in the Gap programme than I did the past 18 years of my life. The experience of living in London and Hong Kong as a teenager was an education in itself. I gained lifelong friends, connections with one of the biggest clubs in the world, and I also gained a huge amount of experience in coaching. The Hashtag Arsenal Gap is a voluntary programme. For more information, visit arsenal.com slash community slash gap Follow Hashtag Arsenal Gap on Twitter at AFC Community, Instagram at Arsenal underscore in underscore the underscore community, and Facebook at AFC Community. Photo of the week in the hard copy, Arsenal in the community's Twitter account at AFC Community highlights some of this month's community work. Two of our Arsenal community coaching students spoke at today's Hashtag Holocaust Memorial Day event at Islington, B.C. about their recent visit to the Auschwitz concentration camp with at Holocaust UK. The other three photographs with this article have the following captions. Laura enjoyed an amazing experience. Niall, left, had an unforgettable time. Tom gained lifelong friends. Thank you.
home with Bukayo Saka. Players tell us about how their family life influenced their football careers. Who did you grow up with and where was the family home? Growing up, I lived in a family of four with my brother Yomi, who's two years older than me, my mum and dad in Greenford, West London. What was family life like? Did you spend most of your time kicking a ball? Well, I went to school every day. My mum would drop me off early, then go to work. My dad would be at work as well. Then after school we would eat, and then it was straight into the garden to play football. We would play for hours. My dad and brother would want to go back inside, but I never let them. We kept playing until I won. You can ask them. As long as they were winning, I wouldn't let them back inside. This was from the age of about three or four I can remember. Do your family still live in the same place? No, we've moved closer to the training ground. We had lived in Greenford my whole life. Since I was born, we were there. And we just moved recently to be closer to the training ground in Hertfordshire. I still live with my parents, but my brother is at university now in Reading. We are still a very close family, though, even though we are apart sometimes. We are always in touch with each other. What were your favourite family holidays growing up? Every year my mum and dad would take us away, so we were lucky enough to go to a few places. We went to Nigeria, where my mum and dad are both from. We went to Dubai and to America a few times because my cousins lived there. I remember going to Chicago and LA and a few other places too. We travelled quite a lot. What else would you do as a family? Well, weekends were always about football because my brother played as well, so we would have a parent each take us. In the evenings we would often have extended family over to all eat together. We have quite a few cousins on both my mum and dad's side. One of my cousins lived really near to us, so we saw them a lot. Every weekend we would catch up with family. My brother played for Watford until about the age of 14, then he stopped. So I would play a lot of football with him growing up, and our friends as well. There was a green outside our house, and we would all meet up there. I was either there or in my garden, always outside. Did you play any other sports growing up? Yes, I did everything really. It's good to try it all. I've always been sporty. What TV did you watch as a kid? Well, when I was a lot younger, I loved Spongebob Squarepants. That's the one I remember most. I loved it. I wasn't really into movies so much, but watched a lot of cartoons on TV. What about music? We all chose the music at home, but it was mainly Afro beats, all sorts of American music. Who cooked the meals? My mum mainly, but my dad on occasions. Sometimes we were allowed to cook as well, and as we grew up, we learned more about being in the kitchen. My favourite meal was my mum's plantain. It's so good. What age did you start playing with Arsenal at Hale End? I was about seven. My dad used to drive me there after school, and sometimes because of the traffic, it would take an hour and a half or so. We did that three times a week, so I spent a lot of time with my dad in the car. It was a Honda, and I got to know it very well. Had there been much football in the family before you? Well, my dad always liked football. He never played, but he was a fan. My mum now likes it. I don't think she has a choice, though. My dad still plays for fun. He's a centre-back, like my brother. My dad supports Newcastle. Nothing to do with where he was brought up, 
but his favourite player was Alan Shearer. What age do you think you were when your family realised how good you were? I feel like it was never really solidified in my dad's head, maybe until I signed my first professional contract when I was 17. Because when you grow up year by year, you see these players, who could have been the best in the year, slowly being let go or stopping completely. So it wasn't until I signed pro that my family knew and realised I could be in the first team. What sort of character were you as you progressed through Hell End? Always confident that you would make it, or did you have self-doubts? I wouldn't say I knew I was going to make it, but what I said to myself is that I would always give my best in every session. I always wanted to learn to get better. I always watched a lot of football to see how I could improve. But we had a big group at Hale End, and even though we had so many quality players, the coaches would always say, look around the dressing room. Only maybe one or possibly two of you will make it to the first team one day. We would look at each other and wonder who it would be. I was always determined for it to be me, and so I wanted to do whatever it took to achieve that. It's easier said than done, though. Did you have any difficult moments on the way? Not especially. When I was really young, I had a lot of growing pains, and that can be frustrating. I had problems with my heels and my knees, but that happens when you grow up. At the time, though, you don't have the patience. I just wanted to play all the time, and kept asking how long until I was playing without pain. But looking back, I wouldn't say it was so hard. I know other people who have been through much worse. Did your parents ever tell you to stop playing football to concentrate on schoolwork? No, they never stopped me from playing football. They just wanted to see a balance and that I was also interested in my education. I got quite good grades, so they were pleased on that side. I got four A stars and three A's in my GCSEs, so I did quite well at school. My favourite lesson was obviously PE, but I also liked business studies a lot. I got an A star in that. Which family members would come to watch you when you broke into the first team? Well, my debut was actually in Ukraine, so that wasn't an easy one to get to. But two weeks later, they were all there when I started my first game at the Emirates. The day before the game, I was told I would be starting, and I couldn't sleep at all. My dad told me he was the same. They obviously came to the game to support me, and I remember seeing how happy they looked afterwards. I will never forget that. I had a big chance to score in that game too. I framed that shirt and we've got it at home. Has there been a moment that has been special for you and your family? Playing at Old Trafford earlier this season. I'd been there before as a fan, but now I was here as a player. My dad took me to watch Manchester United versus Newcastle in the away end because he's a Newcastle fan and I liked Manchester United back then. I was about eight and it was a big moment for me to be in the stadium because I didn't go to many games as a kid. So when I got to play there, being down on the pitch, looking up at the fans, that's when it hit me. That's when I really realised what was starting to happen. My dad is still the one who gets into me most after games, even if I've done well, scored a goal or whatever. He will be there telling me what I need to do to improve. But my whole family support me really well. My uncles always pray for me, check up on me, and always want to know how I'm getting on. It's really nice to have that. After the Bournemouth game when I was man of the match, my mum was the first to text me, 
just telling me how proud she was. At home with Retro. The Sunday years. Arsenal striker Alan Sunderland relaxes at home with his family in late 1983. Alan's wife, Christine, holds the youngest of their children, Lee, who is being admired by sister Amy, with the oldest of their brood, Lucy, standing at the back. And let's not forget the striker's faithful friend, Ben, their Labrador, who Alan said at the time doesn't like having his picture taken, but is just great with the kids. Match Report, Bournemouth, Emirates FA Cup, 4th round, 8pm Monday, January the 27th, Vitality Stadium. Bournemouth 1, Arsenal 2, Saka 5, Enkitia 26, Surridge 90, away fans 1,300. Bournemouth, 42 Travers, 15 Smith, 3 S. Cook, 5 Aki, 25 Simpson, 75, 22 H. Wilson, 75, 6 Sermon, 4 Gosling, 16 L. Cook, 24 Fraser, 9 Solanke, 89. Substitutes, Ramsdale, Francis, 75, C. Wilson, 75, Surridge, 89, Kilkenny, Dobre, Genesini. Arsenal, 26, Martinez, 2, Bellerin, 20, Mustafi, 62, 5, Socrates, 77, Saka, 29, Guendozi, 34, Xhaka, 19, Pepe, 69, 28, Willock, 90, 35, Martinelli, 30, Enkitia. Substitutes, Lino, Maitland-Niles, 90, Holding, 62, Torreira, Cabellos, 69, Ozil, Lacazette. First half, Bukea Saka, playing again at left-back, got us off to the perfect start, rifling home the opening goal on just five minutes. The teenager finished a wonderful passing move that involved all ten outfield players, with a fearsome left-footed strike from a narrow angle that flashed past Mark Travers at the near post. We were good value for the lead and soon doubled the advantage. This time, Saka turned provider, sending in a low cross for Eddie Nectia to tuck at home left-footed from close range. We continued to dominate and nearly scored the third, but Gabriel Martinelli's low cross was cleared before Eddie Nectia could get there. Second half. The game was held up for a few minutes when Shokadran, Mustafi, was stretched off colliding with Emmy Martinez, but despite the defensive reshuffle, we continued to look solid at the back. However, there were a few late nerves when substitute Sam Surridge pulled a goal back in injury time. We saw out the remaining few minutes, though, to book a fifth-round tie at Portsmouth. Match stats. Bournemouth. Total shots, seven. Shots on target, Two. Corners, four. Offsides, one. Fouls, eight. Possession, 41%. Arsenal. Total shots, seven. Shots on target, three. Corners, six. 
Offsides, 2. Fouls, 8. Possession, 59%. Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has helped to fund walking football sessions here at the Hub and they led to our local team taking part in the World Cup last summer. Yvonne Lane, 54, from Datford, tells us about it. I first got involved in walking football through the Gay Gunas. I wanted to give it a shot, and the opportunity to play at the home of the club I've always supported was too good to miss. Initially, I attended the 90-minute mixed session at the Hub on Sunday mornings. I was one of three women, one of whom had been the only female for a few months. She was very pleased to see two new female members, and we started talking about how we could get more women involved. Eventually, as more started coming, largely because we spread the word ourselves, we managed to get a slot at the Hub some Saturday mornings just for women. That's now a regular fixture. Walking football has been an important part of my journey back to health and fitness. When I first started playing in February 2017, I had not long been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. That had triggered a complete change in diet, and I'd started to lose weight, probably about a stone at that point, and I was gaining enough confidence to give something sporty a go. I'd been very active and loved playing football when I was younger, so this was ideal. Having a weekly session helped keep me motivated. I was a bit slow, but over time I have improved my skills and fitness. I've lost nearly seven stone, so as the weight dropped off and my fitness improved, I enjoyed the football even more. I even scored a few goals in the big sessions. I've made some good friends and had some great experiences. I've played on the Emirates pitch twice now, a fantastic experience that not many people get, and also benefited from some tours of the ground because of my participation at the Hub. Then last summer, our women's team, which we called Lanisra, as we weren't officially representing Arsenal but wanted to reflect our allegiance, got to play in the inaugural Old Girls World Cup in Soissons, France. It took place on the rest day during the Women's World Cup and more than 200 women took part from teams based in England, America and a few other countries. Seemingly the whole of Soissons helped out. The locals ran a barbecue and provided refreshments all day and the youngsters were mascots for the final. We represented Canada and although we didn't win any matches, we did win the Team of the Group trophy for our sporting attitude and fair play. It was a fabulous day. Visitors, Newcastle United. Words, Mike Hammond. Newcastle United returned to action this Sunday afternoon after a 12-day break. Their last fixture having brought a dramatic 3-2 extra-time victory at Oxford United in an FA Cup fourth-round replay. 
That was the Magpies' first fixture in the competition outside January for 14 years and has earned them a first appearance in the last 16 since they reached the quarterfinals back in 2006. They take on Championship High Flyers West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns on March the 3rd. Progress in the FA Cup has been matched by a decent spell of form in the Premier League with Newcastle visiting Emirates Stadium today on an eight-match undefeated run in both competitions. Their last defeat having come on New Year's Day when they were beaten 3-0 at home by Leicester City, the team that also knocked them out of the Carabao Cup on penalties back in August. Their last loss on the road was on Boxing Day at Old Trafford, where United overcame them 4-1. It was with two stoppage time goals from defender Florian Lejeune that Newcastle pilfered an unlikely point at Goodison Park in their last away league fixture, having three days earlier provided another late-late show in front of their own fans when ex-gunner Isaac Hayden headed in a 94th-minute winner to beat Chelsea 1-0 at St James's Park. The Geordies' most recent Premier League fixture was a goalless draw at home to Norwich on February the 1st a result that gave them their 31st point of the season, the same number as Arsenal. With 13 games remaining, Newcastle seem well on course to match or better their efforts of the last two Premier League campaigns. Having returned to the top flight as championship winners in 2016-17, they finished 10th with 44 points in 2017-18 and 13th with 45 points in 2018-19. Of course, the number one priority for the club remains steering clear of relegation but it's fair to say that most of the club's fans would have settled for where they are now at the start of the season, when the response to manager Rafa Benitez's departure and his replacement by Steve Bruce was generally lukewarm. The affable Bruce, a native Geordie, has vast experience at this level and can be quietly pleased at his achievements with his boyhood club this term. Newcastle have been decimated by injuries and there have been struggles in front of goal for new Brazilian number 9, Joe Linton, who, despite starting every Premier League game bar one, has scored just once in the competition. The winner at Tottenham back in August. But the Magpies have a decent defensive record and certainly have the ability to frustrate Arsenal's attack this afternoon. Newcastle United Fact File Founded 1892 Nickname, The Magpies. Stadium, St. James's Park. Owner, Mike Ashley. Managing Director, Lee Charnley. Record Appearance Holder, Jimmy Lawrence, 496. Record Goalscorer, Alan Shearer, 206. Instagram Followers, 430,000. Twitter Followers, 1.5 million. Head to Head. We have lost just once to Newcastle from 13 meetings at Emirates Stadium and, last season, goals from Alexandra Lacazette and Aaron Ramsey secured a 2-0 victory. Young Player of the Year While playing for Newcastle, four players have received the Young Player of the Year award. Paul Gascoigne, Andy Cole, Craig Bellamy and Germain Genus. Five Star Alan Shearer holds a joint record for the most goals scored by an individual in a Premier League match. Shearer netted five goals against Sheffield Wednesday on September the 19th, 1999 at St James's Park.
coat of arms. Newcastle United's badge is modelled on the city's coat of arms. The two seahorses represents Tyneside's strong connection with the sea, while the castle links with the city's Norman keep. Between the posts, 1. Martin Dubravka, goalkeeper, born Zilna, Slovakia, 15th of January 1989. Previously, Zilna, Esjerk, Slovan, Liberec, Sparta, Prague. Martin has been a huge hit on Tyneside since he joined on loan from Sparta Prague in January 2019 and played a blinder on his debut, a 1-0 home win against Manchester United. A Premier League ever-present last season, the 31-year-old has now played 75 successive matches in the competition from start to finish. Twice a Slovakian champion with his hometown club Zilna, he is also the current number one for his country and has accumulated 23 caps. The MLS star, 24, Miguel Amaron, midfielder, born Asuncion, Paraguay, 13th of November 1993. Previously, Cerro Porteno, Lanus, Atlanta United. Acquired for £21 million in January 2019 from MLS champions Atlanta United, Miguel arrived with a glowing reputation as an eye-catching dribbler and goalscorer. A Paraguay international, he was voted into the MLS All-Star team in both of his seasons in America before becoming the Magpies' most expensive purchase since Michael Owen arrived from Real Madrid for £16 million in 2005. The 26-year-old left footer finally got his first goal for Newcastle on December the 21st in a 1-0 win against Crystal Palace. The ex-gunner, number 14, Isaac Hayden, midfielder, born Chelmsford, 22nd of March 1995. Previously, Arsenal, Hull, Lone. An Arsenal Academy graduate and England youth international during his time as a gunner, Isaac had a loan spell under Steve Bruce at Hull before leaving North London for Tyneside in 2016 and starring in his new club's championship winning campaign. A defensive midfielder with a strong physique, the 24-year-old played only two first-team games for Arsenal, both in the League Cup, but is a regular in the Newcastle first eleven, and last month scored a memorable added-time winner against Chelsea. The skipper, number six, Jamal Lascelles, midfielder, born Derby, 11th of November 1993. Previously, Nottingham Forest, Stevenage, loan, Nottingham Forest, loan. A former England youth and under-21 international, Jamal was signed by Newcastle from Nottingham Forest in 2014 before spending his first season back on loan at the city ground. He came into his own at St James's Park as captain during the club's championship winning campaign and has remained a pillar of the Magpies' defence since their return to the Premier League, although he missed 10 league games this season from November to January with a knee injury. Head to Head, 2019-20, Arsenal versus Newcastle United. Average goals per game, Arsenal 1.3, Newcastle 1.0 Shots excluding blocked Arsenal 207 Newcastle United 180 Percentage shots on target Arsenal 46.4% Newcastle 
Newcastle United 45.8%. Fouls, Arsenal 270, Newcastle United 230. Cards, Arsenal, Red 3, Yellow 60. Newcastle United, Red 2, Yellow 39. Percentage goals to shots, Arsenal 15.5, Newcastle United 13.3. Corner kicks, Arsenal 158, Newcastle 86. Average goals conceded per game, Arsenal 1.4, Newcastle 1.4. The boss, Steve Bruce, manager, born December 31st, 1960, Corbridge. Previously, Sheffield United, 1998-99, Huddersfield, 1999-2000, Wigan, 2001, Crystal Palace, 2001, Birmingham, 2001-2007, Wigan, 2007-2009, Sunderland, 2009-2011, Hull, 2012-2016, Aston Villa, 2016 to 2018. Sheffield Wednesday, 2019. Newcastle became the 10th club on Steve Bruce's managerial CV when he was appointed in July last year, just six months after taking charge of Sheffield Wednesday. Steve began his playing career with Gillingham and Norwich, but it was at Manchester United that he cemented his status as an outstanding central defender. During his nine years at Old Trafford, 1987-96, to he collected an impressive haul of winners' medals, including three league titles. He has yet to win a major trophy as a manager, however, finishing as FA Cup runner-up to Arsenal as Hull boss in 2014. Record draws. The Magpies share the record for the most draws in a single Premier League season alongside Aston Villa. Newcastle drew 17 games across the 2003-2004 season. Arsenal have already drawn 13 games this season. Most caps. With 134 caps for the Republic of Ireland, Shea Given is the player with the most international caps to have played for the Magpies. Given played for Newcastle for a total of 12 seasons before moving to Manchester City in 2008. He is currently a member of Derby County's coaching staff. Transfer record. The highest fee the club has received for a player is £35 million from Liverpool for Andy Carroll in January 2011. The striker is now back at the club after a spell at West Ham and has registered three assists in the league so far this season. The dribbler, number 10, Alan Saint-Maxim. Winger, born, Chatenay Malbury, France. 12th of March 1997. Previously, Saint-Étienne, Monaco, Hanover, Lone, Bastia, Lone, Nice. An exciting French winger with an abundance of pace and skill. Alain was recruited last summer after two seasons in Liga 1 with Nice, having previously played in the division for Saint-Étienne, Monaco and Bastia. The 22-year-old made his Premier League debut at home to Arsenal last August, but has had an injury-interrupted debut season, and his first Newcastle goal did not arrive until early December. His second was a brilliant extra-time winner at Oxford in the Magpies' most recent outing. The linchpin, number 18, Federico Fernandes, defender, 
Spawn, Tres Algamobos, Argentina, 21st of February 1989. Previously, Estuandates, Nafali, Getafe, Lone, Swansea. A member of the Argentina squad that finished runners-up in the 2014 World Cup, starting the first four matches. Frederico was an Nafali player at the time, but left after that tournament for the Premier League, spending the next four seasons at Swansea. He joined Newcastle after the Swans relegation two summers ago and has established himself this term as a mainstay in Steve Bruce's back line, starting the last 16 Premier League fixtures and scoring against West Ham and Southampton. New arrival, 28, Danny Rose, defender, born Doncaster, 2nd of July 1990. Previously, Leeds, Tottenham, Watford, Lone, Peterborough, Lone, Bristol City, loan. Sunderland, loan. Danny was one of three newcomers during the January transfer window, with fellow loanees Nabil Bentaleb, Schalke and Valentino Lazaro into Milan, having struggled for game time since Jose Mourinho's arrival at Tottenham. An England international with 29 caps, the left-back has been at Spurs since 2007 though he did spend a season on loan with Newcastle's local rival Sunderland in 2012-13. The local hero, number 36, Sean Longstaff, midfielder, born North Shields, 30th of October 1997, previously Kilmarnock, loan, Blackpool, loan, one of the two Longstaff brothers in the current Newcastle squad, alongside fellow midfielder Matty. Sean is a product of the Newcastle United Academy and boyhood supporter of the club who came to prominence with some outstanding displays around this time last year, prompting reported interest from Manchester United until he suffered a season-ending knee injury. This campaign has been one of slow further progress, the 22-year-old having made 11 league starts. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Many tip Newcastle for relegation this season, but two-thirds of the way through the campaign, Steve Bruce's side find themselves level on points with Arsenal coming into today's fixture. A mixture of a fine defensive record and a steady stream of goals from unlikely sources has meant Newcastle have never appeared in serious danger of the drop. After some experimentation at the start of the campaign, Bruce has found that Newcastle's squad is best suited to playing the 5-4-1 system that Rafael Benitez generally used last season, although the attacking section of the side is very different. The attack is spearheaded by Brazilian centre-forward Joel Linton, who has managed just a single goal this season and has sometimes been shifted into wide positions. His all-round game has been more promising, however, and he offers good movement into the channels on the break. However, Bruce hasn't been able to count upon many goals from the supporting cast either. Miguel Almiron seemed destined never to find the net until his late winner over Crystal Palace just before Christmas, although in January he managed three in three matches, albeit two in the FA Cup against Rochdale. His speed and directness in possession has been unquestionable although the Paraguayan almost looks sluggish compared to the extraordinarily direct Alan San Maxime, who made his debut with an impressive cameo role in the reverse fixture on the opening day, and since forcing his way back into the side, has proved one of the Premier League's best dribblers. 
he's also struggled for Premier League goals, managing only one. Although his fine winner in last week's FA Cup tie against Oxford shows he knows where the goal is. Bruce has suffered badly from injury problems. Joe Linton has joined fellow strikers Yoshinori Muto, Dwight Gale and Andy Carroll on the treatment table in recent weeks, and the winter break may have arrived at a good time for Bruce. There's also been uncertainty in deeper positions. John Joe Shelby spreads play well from his deep midfield role and is Newcastle's top scorer this season with five, but also seems likely to miss out here. Former Arsenal man Isaac Hayden plays a tough tackling role in front of the defence, usually alongside one of the impressive Longstaff brothers, although January signing Nabil Benteleb provides another option. The serious knee injury suffered by Jetro Willems means that Matt Ritchie has become Newcastle's first choice left wing back, and his crossing can be a threat when he pushes forward on the overlap. On the opposite flank, De Andre Yedlin offers tremendous acceleration. There's been plenty of chopping and changing at the back, partly because of injury. Frederico Fernandez, Jamal Lascelles, Fabian Shah, Karen Clark, and Paul Dummett have all started between 12 and 16 games this season, with Florian Lejeune another option. Most striking, though, is the fact that Newcastle's defenders have contributed 50% of their league goals this season, so set pieces could prove crucial here. Match Report, Sheffield United. Premier League, match day 23, 3pm, Saturday, January the 18th, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 1, Sheffield United 1. Martinelli 45, Fleck 83. Arsenal 1, Lino. 15, Maitland-Niles. 23, David Lewis. 20, Mustafi. 77, Saka. 34, Jacker, 11, Torreira, 10, Ozil, 19, Pepe, 9, Lacazette, 74, 35, Martinelli. Substitutes, Martinez, Holding, Cabellos, Bellerin, Guendouzi, Willock, Nketiah, 74. Sheffield United, 1, Henderson, 2, Bulldog. 3. Stevens, 4. Fleck, 5. O'Connell, 6. Basham, 76, 7. Lundstrom, 67, 9. McBurney, 12. Egan, 16. Norwood, 22. Musset. Substitutes, Phillips, Sharp, 55, Robinson, 67, Jacklecker, Freeman, Osborne, Bezik, 76. First half. It was an even start to the game, but we had the first real opportunity when Gabriel Martinelli's volley from a Nicolas Pepe cross went just wide. Pepe again carved out another chance for the young Brazilian. This time the shot went into the side netting. We had dominated possession, and just before half-time, we got the goal to show for it. Mesut Ozil, Alexandre Lacazette and Bukayo Saka combined well to find Martinelli in the middle, who volleyed home from close range. Second half. 
The visitors came back strongly in the second half and we needed Granite Xhaka to clear one offline from Ollie McBurney to preserve our lead. Pepe seemed to have a good shout for a penalty turned down by referee Mike Dead on his 500th Premier League game in the middle before sending his free kick just over. We had to pay for our missed chances when the visitors grabbed a late equaliser. John Flex Folly from a deep cross took a huge deflection before nestling beyond Bernd Leno. Shokratran Mustafi had a late header saved as we had to settle for another draw. Match stats. Arsenal. Total shots, 11. Shots on target, 4. Corners, 4. Offsides, 3. Fouls, 9. Possession, 61%. Sheffield United. Total shots, 12. Shots on target, 4. Corners, 5. Offsides, 0. Fouls, 13. Possession, 39%. A new season begins. A new thrill awaits. Visage Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. In the hard copy there is a glorious photograph. The caption is, The canopy walkway in Rwanda's Nyangwe Forest is a hanging footbridge suspended 70 metres, 230 feet, above the forest floor and running a total length of 160 metres, 525 feet. The website, www.visitrwanda.com On Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, at visitrwanda underscore now. The 19-20 kits on sale in store and online. This is Home N5. VAR. What can it be used for? Goals. Offside in build-up. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Penalties. Awarded. Not awarded. Foul inside or outside the box. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Red cards. Correctly given. Incorrectly given. Not for second yellow card. Or mistaken identity. For red yellow card given to the wrong player. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 